You are listening to a special episode of the Bondzilla Podcast. This week, we take a deep dive into everything Godzilla. All right, everybody, it's, we're here for another Bonzilla deep dive edition of the podcast. Got a Godzilla-related deep dive this week for you. So all those Godzilla fans, those Bonzilla fans, and those Bond fans that are just listening because they want a <laughs> podcast to listen to, I know you're out there. Um, I feel like if you had to guess, my assumption would be that we probably have the most casual Godzilla listeners, mm-hmm. but we have the most niche Bond listeners. Yeah. I think it's it's shifted since the podcast started, though. Right. Uh, when we started the podcast, the Bond episodes would consistently have the most listens, and now the Godzilla episodes are consistently the most listens. You know what's I, really I, funny, I, though? I, I kind of... That doesn't surprise me. And my guess would be the shift happened sometime mid last year. Around King year. of the Monsters. Right. It definitely yeah. happened around King of the Monsters. Yeah. As, when, soon as, as soon as we're now in like the new Godzilla boom, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. That's what I figured. I do find it really funny, though, that uh, after um, after uh, the No Time to Die theme dropped, mm-hmm. our news episode about the announcement that Billie Eilish was doing the scene. Yeah. Like, exploded yeah because everybody was looking for the theme it wasn't the theme so no. i'm sure they played it and they listened they're like oh no oh i see that, I, that, that i feel like that's funny. what happened yeah especially on soundcloud yeah that'd be one of those things i mean but that goes to show the power of podcasts is yeah. like you just go back and listen to old episodes i find i do that so sometimes i sometimes do go back and listen to old news episodes because it's like fun it's like a like podcasts are a little time capsule yeah like you well, get to go back and be like but we do that with like regular news, though. Why wouldn't we do that with podcasts? Like you go back and like you look at like I don't know, like the Challenger explosion, like things Why like would that. You look at the I'm just saying, that's like the, uh, that's I, the one I cannot watch. <laughs> that's legitimately the one. Like I've, I, I mean, this I'm is, not like, saying this, you I have to watch I, it. I have gone back and I've watched like the original broadcast on like 9/11. I have done that. Right. The Challenger, I cannot do. It's, right. It's too too much for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not saying that you have to watch it. I'm just saying that it's something that you could, you could watch, well, especially with YouTube. Yeah, and in, then in this modern era. Yeah, but not in the you couldn't do that in the 80s. And, and it, yeah. you couldn't do a lot in the 80s. So now. You could go back and listen to a podcast yeah. of the Challenger explosion. Like you, you could li- listen to. <laughs> that would be a really sad podcast. <laughs> it's definitely out there, though. I mean, like right. with, with the way that you know, um, there must true, be like, true crime yeah. podcast. It's like no, there's definitely a history like, of, stuff. of like disaster yeah. podcast. Like there's like but a Hindenburg we're here to episode. have fun. Like yeah. we're, we're fun disasters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like both wait. the movie we've seen fun movies that are oh so we're, we're going back to talk about all monsters attack then or, yeah. or, 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 fun fun disasters right because, and then it also godzilla causes disasters in right. fun movies that's true all monsters attack is not one of those because movies are kind of like disasters that you can have fun with when oh, you I've, think about it yeah oh yeah i mean we, we we were just talking i was just talking to you about like my holy grail of like bad movies right which and one of them is related to the podcast, actually. I was proud of you on the on one of them. Yeah, Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's one of those things where Godzilla 98, I think you even said that episode is not on a Batman and Robin level, but over the course of a couple months, it right. has kind of risen to that. Like, 
I, I've got a solid three of my Mount Rushmore of bad movies now, mm-hmm. which is um, Batman and Robin, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Godzilla 98, and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre for The Next Generation, mm-hmm. which is an unbelievable film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fourth spot is, is up for debate as mm-hmm. of right now, but... Uh, yeah. The thing is, like, but I think I went over this with in that episode. Like, I don't know if 98... I don't know. Like, I reserve, like, my bad films for, like... Yeah. Like, like Texas Chainsaw 4, that's a, that's a good, bad movie. Yes. Uh, like, that's a disaster of a movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know if 98 is a disaster yeah, of a movie. I mean, like, the it, movie it's is... It's got the reputation, though. Yeah, I think but, that's like, like... I think that's why I kind of put it in there. But if you look at it, aren't there, like... But, like, for instance, like, Batman and Robin is, like, a worse... That's a worse yeah. movie. Like, it's just operating... It's just firing on all the wrong squares. But I love it so much. No, sure. Like, that. I that's what makes Batman. it great. Like, bat, like, like oh, kind man. of, like... Nine, Godzilla 98 is more so like a movie that you have to meet on its level. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. It, I mean, that's, it's like, I guess it's in the more debatable spot, but yeah. I, I, I still. It's not even the worst Godzilla movie. No, but I, I would not put like All Monsters Attack in that regard. Yeah, because that's not fun yeah. to watch. And like, it's like, it, like, I guess like in some circles, people would like. We consider Megalon good, but I'm sure Megalon's be- great. Yeah, and everyone else is wrong. Yeah, no, it if is. They think it's bad. oh, it's 100. percent I mean, I was looking at very happy that Megalon landed. It's in my top 10 Godzilla movies. What uh, I guess 98 would be. I was trying to think of a Godzilla movie that would be like this isn't good, but I I like it because. But but again, like but in your case, it's like you like them because the movie is bad. Partially, yes. Yeah. Well, but it's just like a, a bad movie that's very entertaining. Right. That like I can just watch as an entertaining piece of media. Because right. like the thing about All Monsters Attack, like I really don't want to rewatch it because it's not entertaining. You know what I mean? Like Batman and Robin is like entertaining, like despite all of its flaws, right? And despite that, every fiber of my film school, my film critic, and my film sensibility being says this is bad. It's good, and I, I've really come to this point now, and I know we'll get we'll get into our episode soon, but I've really gotten to this point where like I feel bad for people that can't enjoy movies like Texas Chainsaw Four or Batman and Robin. Like you watch those, like they like. I, I, it's, this is coming about because I I just got the Shout Factory Texas Chainsaw Four Blu-ray, and for those of you who don't know, Texas Chainsaw Four is the mid '90s one that has Renee Zellweger and. Um, Matthew McConaughey before they got big and I watched that movie with sheer unadulterated joy it's ridiculous it's stupid McConaughey is batshit Renee Zellwinger is iconic everything is great then you look at like like a letterboxing and everybody has it like one star it's like this this is not that type of movie it's just enjoyably bad and I just like the people who just take that stuff so seriously well, I just feel I bad mean, for but it. it is bad <laughs> Yeah, but it's like... I mean, I don't know if I would get on anybody's case for not liking... I mean, there's a level of... I don't of, know. I just, it's not that I say I don't... I guess I don't blame you. I just feel bad yeah. for you. I just feel bad for you. You can't enjoy life in that way. Because, for instance, like, I actually do think, like, a movie like Megalon is... See, I don't know, but, like, it, it's weird because even with those movies, I realize, like, that I have a certain patience and interest I guess, in, in, yeah. in them. Yeah. But I can make the case that, you know, uh, it, they're, 
there's value to these films in, in these ways. Yes, absolutely. Whereas, absolutely. like, I don't know if I would ever argue that, like, like Texas Chainsaw 4 is, like, a good movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just, like, it, it, it's a, again, it's a disaster that I just love watching and has value to me. To bring it back to the podcast, like, the Casino Royale, like the unofficial one, the sixty-seven, one, like yeah. that is not a good movie. Yeah, like by any stretch, no, that- but it's such it's such a disaster mm-hmm. that it you almost have to have it in your like in your collection, yeah. and, and like it's so mm-hmm. bonkers and bizarre right. to watch. Like to me, that's more of like, oh my god, th- this is like this is like bad. Whereas something like most of the Godzilla films, like. I think they're just like either products of just their own limitations or they're exactly the type of movie that they are. You just have to kind of meet. It's a very fine line. It is a very fine line. But I do agree to the point that it does, for us at least, you know, uh, we do feel like, I don't want to say anybody's wrong, but they definitely, uh, I feel like, I just feel like some people miss out when they don't. Have yeah. the same, but I, I definitely open you. opinion about like uh, just having fun with the dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, because I, I, I mean, well, it's just people get just, so upset just, about yeah. it. People get well, so mad when like something is like not. Yeah, because I definitely great. get on the edge and stuff like that. And because like I feel the same way. And a movie that I eventually want to show you is is the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, mm-hmm. which is one of those things where it's like I can definitely say it's not good. But it's just beaten me to the point where I actually will defend that movie very much. And I love the ending of that movie. Mm. But but that's another time for another podcast, hopefully, someday. Um, but we have a deep dive to actually get into. Um, and if I remember from our last episode, our Gamera episode, it's going to be kind of about other non-Toho, a deep, deeper dive in the non-Toho kaiju, a little bit more in a Gamera, possibly other monsters of... Uh, it's era that uh, are not part of the official Toho canon. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna piggyback off of our previous uh, main line episode uh, in which we talked about the Heisei uh, reboot of the uh, rival uh, kaiju film series Gamera uh, by Dai uh, Films. Um, and uh, as last time we talked about the uh, 1995 film Gamera: Guardian of the Universe, so. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Gamera and just kind of complete the conversation about uh, our turtle friend. Yeah. Um, what happened to the rest of him in the Hasey film. And uh, just take a little bit and have a little bit more of a casual conversation about the the, the kaiju filmmaking beyond Godzilla yeah. and, and, and Toho. So um, One step beyond. So uh, for anybody, uh, if you, uh, I would actually suggest that probably watch or listen to that Gamera episode um, or watch it if you like watch one of those like weird, like it plays like the audio and then like sound waves like you know bounce up and down on the screen i'm sure that's like a thing yeah right, that, pe- I mean, that people have you can like get like itunes the, to do yeah. that yeah yeah like, like get that bubble too. to like mm-hmm. like pulse sometimes yeah. i did that they can make like art out of it yeah like <laughs> 
posters fly by. Uh, but yeah, I, I would actually suggest going to go listen uh, to that episode oh, because that, that leads into this episode in which we're just going to jump back into the rest of the Gamera, the Kaneko-directed uh, Gamera trilogy. Um, so Gamera, um, after the 95 film, which successfully relaunched Gamera under a completely uh, just new image, everybody was thoroughly impressed by uh, what Dai was able to do with the character and how he was able to relaunch the character and that led into two more films in the Gamera trilogy uh the first of which being Gamera 2 Attack of Legion or to Attack of the Legion and uh, Gamera 3 Revenge of Eris um and this was uh 96 so the following year and then the third film uh would come out in uh, 1999 yeah um which is funny because uh as we said that uh Gamera just with those three films, Gamma really closed that gap between the absence of Godzilla films. That uh, the first Gamma film was 95 as Destroya came out, and then the last Gamma film in this trilogy was 99 as um, Godzilla 2000. Yeah, so was, it really did feel the, feel the gaps. Uh, uh, so, a little bit, just kind of briefly, uh, and we're going to have to get sorry for uh, spoilers. Uh, for you, Nick, uh, and for anybody else who's listening, but just kind of delve a little deeper into what those two. What? Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> Nick. Nick literally just got out of. He just dropped his headphones, and I thought like I thought something was wrong. <laughs> no, I really did. No, no. Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm 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 not a spoiler phobe. Uh, I'm not a spoiler phobe. But, so. um, but give me the give me the spoilers. Yeah. So in, in the uh, a kind of brief synopsis of uh, Gamera to Attack of Legion, uh, introduced, Legion, yeah, it's Gamera's father. <laughs> Gamera, I am your father. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's when you find out. Uh, and then and then the uh, and then they bring Ewoks into the third Gamera film. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, this one uh, kind of was a direct uh, direct sequel to the to the first Gamera film, mm-hmm. and uh, introduced a new uh, creature uh, for Gamera to fight. Uh, very much took a page out of the Gamera Guardian of the Universe and maintained that. All right, we're gonna kind of keep that horror monster flick quality. Uh, with it, uh, Legion, uh, the villain of the film, was a giant insect uh, creature mm-hmm. this time around. Uh, an alien, if I remember correctly. I've seen all three of these films. And um, kind of one of those deals where it's like a bunch of bugs, like just terrorizing the city, and then it turns into one giant bug who is like the mother legion mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, basically uh, goes on to fight Gamera. But the, bi- the big kind of uh, introduction or reintroduction into the series is the doubling down that Kaneko does into the spirituality of uh, Gamera in which um, Gamera is more explicitly made a mystical myth, uh, mythological creature uh, to the point that he basically pulls a uh, Dragon Ball Z spirit bomb move and actually absorbs the magic and the mana of uh, the earth into one final blow that uh, takes uh, that uh, defeats the the villain uh, of the of the picture. And just just to, uh, just to be clear for this, was uh, the Legion the bugs? Yeah, so was this like a new original monster? So this was a new original okay, monster. So it's, so not, after, it's not something that's from the classic Gamera series. No, no, no. no. Okay. So after after Gamera Guardian of the Universe uh, and the use of Gauss, um, Gamera actually uh, 
went on to it's kind of a trilogy mostly known for making new monsters every film and and gauss was actually the exception to the rule gauss was okay. the only um was really the only major reoccurring character in the original showa era right, and right. uh th- them bringing them back into the these modern films uh and to this day as we talk about the films a little bit more continues to be the really only major reoccurring uh monster in the gamera trilogy right. so it kind of and that's kind of what i had mentioned in the uh, previous episode yeah. where it's a very like Batman Joker situation like it's like if there's always a constant villain in the Gamera series it's always going to be the Gauss like it's kind of like like the in many ways if they don't have a big role if Gamera is around the Gauss aren't too far behind yeah okay I was just curious because you know with 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 Godzilla they were very eager to bring back those um you know a lot of those other monsters for the Hasey era right bringing back Rodan and reinventing them and but it seems like our 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 uh, GMK friend here is really not afraid of like just kind of doing whatever comes to his mind and, and whatever kind of original thoughts he has because it really does transition that into when he does GMK and not being afraid for better for worse for for better for some people for for, for us but for better for worse he's not afraid in that movie to kind of really reinvent Godzilla and Ghidorah yeah and I feel like in 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 this Gamera trilogy there's really no pressure for him to kind of okay well we're it's you know because it felt like. I mean, I guess part of it too is just like the difference in sort of the legacy of Godzilla versus mm-hmm. versus Gamera. Because with Godzilla, you know, with the first, when we look at the hasty era of Godzilla, you look at '84, and that's basically just a straight up we're doing, um, you know, '54 again, just kind of updated to a new era, kind of you know, getting back to our roots. And then the next movie has an original monster in Biolanti. And when those films maybe didn't do too well box office wise, or didn't do too well critically as well, you know, in some senses. You know, the, the immediately says, like, okay, we're gonna now we're going to go back. You know, we've got this legacy of monsters, so let's go back to Ghidorah, and let's go back to Mothra, and we have all, and Rodan and stuff like that, and Mechagodzilla. So they, they have all this stuff that they can kind of take from. Whereas Gamera, we kind of talked about, has always been kind of the second fiddle, quote-unquote, in the, in the mm-hmm. Japanese uh, kaiju canon. And, you know, maybe has been popular and, and, and has success, but there's not as much of that, like, Legacy. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, uh, unlike Godzilla, there's not. Well, I guess it's, it's true because if the Gauss are the major reoccurring villain, it's not like. Because with Godzilla, you had multiple appearances by Rodan, sure. by Mothra, by Mechagodzilla, by Ghidorah. So you really had monsters of legacies that you could pull in. And, and, like, simply, been... and simply put, like, Gamera itself is not the long-standing classic franchise right. that Godzilla was. And, it, I mean, it, like to be fair to that, Godzilla, it's not like Godzilla was bringing back the Hedoras and the Megalons sure. in that era. So it's really like if the Gauss are the, really the only reoccurring villains of Gamera, there's really no pressure to kind of bring back those other those other kind of monsters. And, and another thing is just on a studio level, too, because you have to have to remember that, you know, Toho was making multiple monster films, so some of the category of monsters that ended up in the Godzilla films were other films that they were making like right, Mothra, Mothra Rodan and, yeah. and and there was that crossover potential where Dai this this was this was just their single thing yeah, yeah. this was their monster franchise right. um so but it really feels like this is as, as much as um what's the director's name sorry uh Kaneko Kaneko yeah. just want to make sure I got that right as much as Kaneko was really we've talked about too was very much like a Godzilla person who saw Gamera as like a, a you know a great opportunity and a great opportunity to make the type of movies he wanted to make. 
it really was really good for I think his style of filmmaking because it really was kind of an open book. You kind of do whatever. Absolutely. You want. As yeah. long as you had Gamera, you had this giant turtle in there. You basically kind of had an open book to kind of reinvent the character a little bit more than at that point you would have been able to do with Godzilla. Yeah. Whereas I feel like like when he enters a Godzilla franchise for GMK, it's a perfect opportunity to do his Godzilla movie because. Like, if he had done Godzilla, if he had gone to direct a Godzilla movie in the Hasey era, I just don't feel like he would have been had that freedom to kind of do... Oh, definitely not. I uh, mean... To it, do kind of the the wild exploration that he tends to do in his kaiju movies. I mean, the notion of him even getting the job to do a Godzilla film right. yeah. was just out of the question. Yeah, but it says even if he had that chance... Yeah. It no, it, it was yeah. not going to happen. It's, it's, it's kind of like... Honestly, it is kind of like... It would be kind of like Taika Waititi doing like a 2008 Marvel movie as opposed to doing a Marvel movie in like oh, sure. in 2000 sure. whatever he made Thor Ragnarok. Like Taika making Thor 1 and Taika making Thor Ragnarok would be two different movies just mm-hmm. because of the way that the studio was set up at the time. And and, and it's the same thing with 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 the uh with doing a Godzilla movie at that point. It's just that the difference in how they were viewing those movies in the Hasty era versus post, you know, post Godzilla 2000 where it really was like the whole point of it was mm-hmm. that's like we're doing something new every time you know that was really the perfect place for him to insert his this kind of interesting Godzilla vision and the name of the game for the whole thing with Gamera was just like the the reinvention of the character because unlike it was interesting that you mentioned this with Godzilla that unlike Godzilla that at no point really going forward in the Gamera series was that impulse to go back to that original Gamera like film. The friend of all children. Gamera. Yeah. But but even but you, but remember like the original Gamera film was like kind of a more straight laced uh, like big monster attacks like, the would city. It, would have felt more into like what we saw in Mothra even like Mothra and, and stuff like that I guess. Yes, exactly. Uh with and with more hints to the empathy for like for the kids and everything. Yeah. And it wasn't until the later movies was it a, a straight up uh a ki- film uh, or family friendly uh film. Um so like and then my thoughts on Attack of Legion um out of the three movies, I definitely think that it it's good. It, it it does come across as kind of like a light retread of the first one while expanding on on some of the ideas. Yeah. Uh, it definitely increases the the mythology and the um, the abilities of Gamera himself, and uh, just kind of goes into a lot of the returning characters uh, come back are um, are are young the the youngest of them uh, who was our uh, the. The girl who had the psychic connection to Gamera comes yeah. back in a major role, um, and uh, and you know, lot lot a little bit more focus on the military in this one, but kind of follows that similar like, oh, there's smaller monsters, and now there's a big monster, yeah. and um, but one thing I will give credit to that Gamera does have a uh, very interesting and very well designed monsters uh the legion creature uh i don't think is like uh, reinventing the wheel but just like a solid uh creature that doesn't seem like a derivative of any of the other creatures you've seen especially yeah. uh from godzilla especially at that point because this was like years before megaguirus even mm-hmm. so you wouldn't have had much to go off of the godzilla side yeah especially because i i would argue that between all the movies that the gamera uh, series, uh, uh, especially the Hasey series, um, 
definitely has a more inventive approach to all of its uh, enemy creatures, whereas you you could make the argument that Godzilla like lacks that at, at times, um, and it doesn't it help. It just repeats the same sort of visual yeah and like every monster is like some sort of derivative of godzilla it's like this one's kind of like a clone but not really a clone in the case of like orga or like yeah. this one's actually well, so, a clone uh, in the case of post godzilla Showa era yeah, yeah. especially because Showa era i think you could kind of a little bit more variety but like yeah because really like i said like post shore era you have like biolanti mm-hmm. space and, godzilla and, and, and if you look at like what the i mean Destroyer Kaiju... is like the most like unique I yeah. guess. In the kaiju filmmaking, I, I think it comes at a good time too because you just had a whole hasty series of um, of um, of uh, Godzilla films in which it was just reinventing all of the same monsters. So when Gamera comes around, which is not only reinventing this classic monster but also reintroducing all these uh, new monsters, um, it becomes like one of like the uh, kind of more interesting ways that Gamera bridges that gap between the films. It, it does feel like with the Gamera series, there was a little bit of like, there's really nothing to lose here. Oh, no, no. I mean, and then, and then there's that, trust that, with Kaneko after yeah. like successfully doing the first film. that's the thing again about those Godzilla Hasey films. It's like, I definitely think at least when you get to Biolanti, there's, there's that feeling, like, okay, we're, there's a kind of going to be an effort to do like new monsters. But then like, again, it's just kind of the, the old quote unquote studio thing. It's just like, the Biolanti doesn't do too well. Biolanti himself as a, as, as a creature doesn't really hit as many of the marks as, as they had hoped. So, again, the, the instinct of that next one is like, well, let's bring back Ghidorah. That's going to definitely bring in people, and then we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. So it's like with, with Gamera, there's a lot less to lose and, probably again, a lot less pressure to have to bring back those original creatures to make a profit. It's just basically like if we put out Gamera and put out something interesting, we'll see how it goes, mm-hmm. um, especially because, again... You know, we talked about it in the episode, the end of the original Gamera series, you know, that, that kind of All Masters Attack-ish, you know, compilation movie, was that they definitely saw there was like, okay, writing on the wall, maybe we don't need to go back to that when they when they have this new Hasey era series. Um, so all of this led to the third in the film, uh, in, the, in the trilogy, Gamera 3, Revenge of Eris, uh, that came out in, nine, in 1999. Uh, now this is considered to be, like, not only the best of the Gamera series overall, but, like, probably one of the best kaiju films of, of all time. Um, this was the one that took probably the most different approach, and you can kind of tell a little bit because, I mean, uh, this wasn't a direct follow-up in terms of time. I mean, this was three years, uh, 96 was the sequel, and then this one came out three three years later. Um, overall, just, like, you can tell, like, right from the get-go, uh, if you watch, like, even, like, the first 15 minutes of this film, like, you can tell, like, all right, there's a brand new energy to this and they're really trying to make something a little bit more special uh with with this one uh straight down to the enemy villain monster named Iris um a complete re not a complete redesign but a redesign in Gamera uh himself uh some of the themes that they're dealing with this is like a super duper trippy uh mythical psychological film um and uh gets into like things such as trauma uh to give you a little bit of an idea of how this move uh, what direction this movie goes uh this movie pulls a uh beginning of Batman v Superman and it uh it uh chronicles the early life of a girl who was present during the who was a child and lost her family during the Gamera versus Gauss event of the uh of the original film of the uh, Guardian uh, Guardian of the Universe film, uh, and 
really and in, in, in kind of explores all these things in a really interesting way. So the the general plot of this film is that this girl uh, lost her family during that battle of the original ni- uh, 1995 film and uh, and has uh, obviously has a little bit of an axe to grind with just the notion of Gamera overall. And uh, through this uh, kind of like uh, mystical spot near the village that she lives in uh, finds a uh, a creature uh, that she names Iris uh, of that we find out is of some sort of legend um, that gets kind of complicated and I'll get into that in a minute but basically it's like a creature that starts off as a very friendly creature and it's like oh man like and then you're gonna be my best friend and then like you know kind of like a surrogate imaginary friend like oh this creature is gonna be my best friend turns out the Iris may have uh, some more uh, malevolent, maybe uh, infectious uh, powers to him, and then through this psychic connection with this little girl, becomes this massive creature that may uh, be the only thing that can take down uh, Gamera. So, and it ultimately becomes a movie that really blurs the lines of like, you know, who's the hero and who's the villain in this piece. Um, and the most I can say about this is that. It's a more enjoyable version, and not directly implied. It's a more enjoyable version of um, of um, his Godzilla film, which I'm um, which I'm blanking. GMK. GMK. Uh, it's a more inver- enjoyable version of that, only because it's not a Godzilla film, so I don't have the uh, <laughs> the, the baggage attached to it with the, with the Godzilla films. But I yeah. say that in which. I almost do agree. I don't know if I stand on the side of that it is the best of them. I do think, because I like the first one so much, and I think this one's really good, and I think that it deserves all the credit for being as, like, out there and, like, different than any other kaiju movie that you have seen from the Gamera or the Godzilla films before. But there's some key aspects uh, that fall a little a little bit flat for me. But overall, I think it's one of the ones worth checking out of of uh, the trilogy of the uh, trilogy. Yeah. It definitely sounds like the most interesting. Of like obviously we've already watched the first one, but if you were to talk to me about all three of these, I feel like this was just the most interesting just because it sounds so unique. It's also the most anime of them because it deals with like as Iris uh, gets stronger and stronger, then like the little girl is like psychically linked inside the monster. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of like, oh, but she's in there. Like it's it's yeah. super anime. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, it's basically and- like that one VeggieTales episode that we had to watch with your with your girlfriend, the one about the fib. Yes, exactly like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, which uh, I did see as a kid. I didn't. I just shouldn't say that one. We had to watch. I, but I also enjoyed revisiting. What it. I will say is, Dai definitely went out of their way not only to make a unique film with Kaneko, but also spare no expense on the film because honestly provides much better of the time visual effects than we got in our uh, Godzilla film uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's big aerial battles uh, that haven't been achieved in the same way that they had with the previous two films. Uh, Gamera is like, uh, they use those special effects to make Gamera more powerful than ever. Um, Iris is kind of like this, uh, kind of like this, ancient looking biomechanical tentacle driven psychic creature um it's definitely again just continuing that legacy of the hasty gamera films is just creating these unique monsters um there's a little bit of a uh plot line in it that they delve into 
where oh a uh, major thing that happens in this film is the return of the Gauss once again. Okay. Uh, if we remember in our '95 film, there was a little bit of the well, the Gauss are still at large out there. There are these ancient creatures left from an ancient society, so you know there's still probably nests and eggs out yeah, there. So they're right. like, so one day yeah, they're yeah. going to like swarm again, and uh, this movie kind of follows up on that uh, plot point. Uh, that like oh like now there's been more and more sighting of the Gauss and they've been attacking cities again, but it, it kind of now portraying Gamera who has a much more fierce redesign like much more modern grittier look look to him um, for really no reason honestly um, I don't know how I feel about the redesign it's like cool but you know I, I kind of it, it does kind of seem like somebody said we need to do a cool Gamera redesign mm-hmm. it, it, it's just yeah. that's what it looks like uh, but they deal with the whole like well Gamera is like destroying the Gauss but at the cost of like human live lives and to my, in my humble opinion, the movie never really follows through and addresses that plot point. And I think it's because they're trying to play with this like morality thing because even the care, even the creature of Iris is representative as a benevolent, as a spirit of a benevolent, uh, ancient monster. Uh, and even though it has uh, some benevolence to him, it's it's also like it's feeding off of this little girl, and it may be causing more damage than it can. So it, it it's kind of like in a strange turn of events. Whereas the previous two Gamera films have been like these more mature, but still like oh, like friend of like humanity and friend of all children. That it almost kind of delves into this somewhat nihilistic uh, like uh, point of view of the character that I don't quite think that i don't think quite works uh it doesn't definitely make for the most interesting of the films but much in the same way as gmk um i don't know what the disconnect between uh between kaneko and me for for these the uh in this in this type of vision um so yeah so that that, that's kind of like what that film is about and then kind of like my my feelings yeah i mean i guess there's a little bit more I don't know if cynical is the right word, but there's a little bit more of kind of a the the morality of it and and sort of the baggage that comes with being these giant monsters and and the destruction. I feel like, you know, it's kind of that thing where we definitely just seem to be on that edge of just the more fun type of movies. Mm-hmm. And not to say that I think it's also because it may be like, you know, with like 54 with Godzilla, there's a very specific time period that's being made and when you kind of try to play with that stuff in a more modern setting it, it it's a it's a tough balance that you need because you're still making this kind of legacy movie of this legacy character while also trying to say something but you know it's just like i guess there there is just something about you and, and kaneko it's just like there's this the lost in translation type of thing about, about the way that I, you- I would say this is the most successful version of this because it really just comes down to some key points yeah. that i think uh, it the movie does have an open-ended ending uh to kind of just delve into it real quick it ends with uh, one of the things about he's fighting iris this whole time and Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's kind of painted that Gamera, that Iris is going to be the more destructive of the monsters and that Gamera is the one that has to stop him. And there's kind of like this uh, thing where uh, she it's feeding off of this little girl and Gamera actually like sacrifices like his arm at one point to like even like destroy this monster and save this girl. 
Uh, but throughout the whole movie, there's this constant threat of there's this huge swarm of Gauss that once they reach like Japan, like it's over. Like they're just going to like they're going to cast a shadow over the entire like, you know, part of this planet. Like it's like like the stakes have never been higher. And the movie kind of ends with, well, Gamera is going to go and fight this giant swarm of Gauss right after it's like uh, almost suffered a defeat from Iris. And then the movie's over. One of those endings. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I I struggle with it because a lot of people like it um, for I can see why. obvious I, I, reasons. This, yeah, it's this, not surprising why people it, like it. It's definitely because it is like unique and definitely like a little bit more thought-provoking sure. in that way. And this is a thought-provoking right down to the human characters. I would say that it, it is the most I, – I, and I would say uh, – it has strong. I don't. Know, I don't know about the strongest human characters, but it definitely has uh, the uh, human characters that are the most emotionally driven of the Gamera films and of many Godzilla films. So I think it's it, yeah. it's successful in that. But um, yeah, there 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 is just a level that like I do find that there's certain plot points made and like to what end, mm-hmm. other than to kind of like be thought provoking. Yeah. But like it's like. I don't know, like, I find myself recently that it's not enough to provoke the thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I do like the film to have more of a definitive, like, this is what's going on. Yeah, no, um, I can I can feel that. And, I and mean, I, I definitely can see how that ending could I know, be really... I know I probably sound so basic to so many people yeah. r- right now, but I I, I'm trying to give credit to yeah. where credit's due on the film. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see where that type of ending would be awesome. But I also feel like that's the type of ending where you need to kind of imply that, oh, Gamera is still going to yeah. win the day. I feel like if you're too vague on that, that that's just, again, like you can enjoy it and you can, there's definitely people who enjoy that type of filmmaking. But for me, I feel like I'd be like a little more like unsatisfied. I feel like, yeah. And, like I feel like if it, cause it's like, you know, like the ending of King of the Monsters is not the same thing, but again, there's that kind of like, okay, Godzilla's won. We don't really know at that point, like, you know, it's kind of the middle of the destruction. It's not like we see kind of the results of it, but we see that, okay, Godzilla is is definitely going to be these, this, you know, he's, he's proclaimed himself king of the monsters, and he's definitely going to roam and rule the land. Yeah. I, I definitely like an op- open ending. I mean, Shin Godzilla has, like, so, yeah, definitely so- the threat of something. And then also very thought provoking with the final images of that film like you like but that again, that again, image like, makes you ask it, questions it's just, i guess it depends on whether you find the actual ending satisfactory yeah. because the thing about shin godzilla is again there's a whole they defeat it but there's still questions about the future of japan and 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 these characters are trying to actually rebuild you know the state cuz you know their their government has been decimated and then we cut to godzilla oh well this might be a new threat to the future but the movie itself has ended mm-hmm. and same thing with with king of the monsters again we kind of get the credits are there, but again, like the main battle is ended. Godzilla's won. The implications of that ending, you know, I'm sure we're going to find out soon. But you know, there's kind of the implications of like, okay, well, now what? And that's sure. That's yeah. But that again, the main battle's ended. I just feel like, yeah, the main battle's ended here. But like, is it a satisfactory enough ending for for the viewer? Right. And again, a lot of people, I'm sure, would find it so. And I mean, I can't speak for myself. I'm I'm sure I would have my own unique opinion on it. Um if I chose to view the movie. And again, this conversation is making me even more interested than I was post uh, the camera viewing. Yeah, but I, I, would, but I do feel like I, I don't dis, I don't disagree that you could have the reaction that you're having and that there, if there is a sense of like, 
because there's no sense of hope or hopelessness. I feel like it's just mm-hmm. the way you're describing it. It's just like okay, this is gonna happen. You know, it's like oh, like Gamma is kind of a back against the wall, but I'm sure we're gonna. You know, it's like it. It feels and like I, you need some hope. I, 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 I think should, you need some implication on hope there. I should say I didn't quite have the beaten down feeling that I had of GMK. Right. Like, and I should say that uh, Gamber Three: Revenge of Eris is a good movie. That I, it's just there's a few things that keep me from calling it like oh it's the most amazing uh, of 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 the movies. Um, but I will say like especially like if you get into the Millennium era of films, um, I would say that it it's quite superior to many of the Millennium era Godzilla films, save well, yeah. maybe the the Mecha Godzilla films. Um, I mean that's not really surprising yeah. considering the, the Millennium era. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like but it, but it, it kind of goes it, to show. And it's also kind of I think it's funny enough. It kind of actually really fits. As a transition, like just from the, again hearing about it, I can't mm-hmm. really speak to saying it, but it kind of this film, the third Gamera film, just really feels like it's a transition between a Hasty and a Millennium era because I feel like a lot of the stuff that it does is kind of doubled down in the uniqueness and kind of the ambiguity because again, you know, a lot of those Godzilla, I mean. The first three, for sure, of the Millennium Era Godzillas have ambiguous kind of endings. Yeah, yeah, um, but in it, some it, sense. But it's all. But I guess it's just. A, it just feels like there's a kind of a transition into kind of how they would view the themes in those later Godzilla films as well. And I kind of feel like you know it kind of fits into both of those eras, kind of. I definitely get where people say the superiority of the Gamera films, because uh, a lot of people actually compare it to the Godzilla Hasey films for you know good reason. They're both Hasey era like labeled films. Uh, I, I'm I'm a Heisei lover. I, yeah. I know it's like the deeper you go into Godzilla like fandom, like that becomes it, not a sticking point, but it does become like the big debate. Like the you know, era. it becomes the hot take. It's like is the Heisei era really as good as you as you think it right, is? Because I, like I feel like I mean, again, like I feel like that's the era that is up for most debate, though. Because sure. I feel like the Millennium era. I think just feeling it, like obviously, it's depending on kind of how you like JMK, but there is a general sense of like. GMK and the Mecha Godzilla films are kind of worth talking about, and then yeah, like, but nobody talks about the Millennium era. It's like everybody talks about the Showa era, and then the Hasey era kind of like right, falls but, on but, this but line. It's like, like the Showa era is this has, overrated? Yeah, or the, not? I was about to say like, like that's where. You, but there's a kind of an agreement on it. But again, it's kind of lower key. Sure, the Showa era. It's like I will defend it as my favorite era of Godzilla. Many but I would. Think, but I think it's also it's got that legacy and the origins of those characters in the original movie. And I feel like the Hasey era is one where. It could be up for a lot of debate on whether you think it's a it's a good overall era yeah. because I definitely think like there have been some really high highs for us at least for me I can say the Hasey Mothra and Des- Destroya I mean are in my top five like easily but then you get the stuff like you know eighty four Biolanti I guess you could definitely have some debate sure. on Ghidorah as well for his kind of time travel nonsense um, Space Godzilla is not sp- super spectacular and then. Um, Mechagodzilla 2 I also think is a film that definitely you can debate um, and we debated it on this podcast and like I got our feelings I, it's my feelings it's like great monster action with a very thin human plot line that barely holds itself together so I definitely could see how first of all the Hasey era is, is could be so divisive and how if you were to compare it to these Gamera movies that some people might prefer those three Gamera tri- trilogies. Well, it, Not it, the three Gamera trilogies, the three Gamera films in the trilogy. But leading into the Millennium era, it, it's almost no question. It's like the, the Gamera films even as a trilogy just blow most of these of the Millennium era. Yeah. Film. Oh, yeah. Just I would even, definitely, yeah, because this just from Gamera 1, I mean, like, I'm definitely a big fan of the two Mechagodzilla movies in the Millennium era. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely that, but 
but definitely other than those, yeah, I would definitely go back to Gamera before I would go oh, to any of those. Just from and I and I can vouch for them just watching all three movies from monster design, uh, just storytelling, yeah. characters, special effects. Uh, that the Gamera, especially when you get to like uh, Revenge of Eris, that. I mean, they really go all out on like you know trying to make the action as spectacular and bombastic right. as they can, just in, in epic in a way that really makes honestly, and I hate to say this, but makes the Toho Millennium Era films feel lazy, mm-hmm. especially because yeah. it's different. Like the the reason the Hasey films, because the Hasey films were going on, and then in many ways the Gamera films were a response to those films. Yeah. Um, you know, and then even like there were produ- there were people in the production company at Toho that were even jealous of the like they they've gone on record by saying that they were jealous of the quality that the Gamera films were talking and or taking, uh, which is why I think they wanted Kaneko to come on to GMK eventually, um, in the millenn- in the Millennium era. But then it's like when you get to like, you know, Godzilla two thousand and Megaguirus, and it's it's just like it, even in the Final Wars. Yeah, and then eventually into Final Wars. But if you just take the two films that lead off the Millennium Era after something like Gamera comes out, it's it's not a good look. No, it's not, it's no, def- no comparison. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I mean, we've already had our big deep dive on the Millennium Era, and you definitely if you haven't listened to that or want want our re re listen to our thoughts. You can re listen to that episode. But it really is interesting, just kind of that Millennium Era. Um, it just so much, I think lost potential oh I sure guess, sure uh, in that era um but and they, eventually, and they eventually got kaneko um yeah. ultimately um so uh as we wrap up uh just kind of the conversation about uh gamera um so after the trilogy came out to uh time had passed um and one of the things that i think that has not only kept gamera not only has its own limited popularity as a franchise that has kept gamera from really getting into the limelight um but also just dai as a film studio you know dai definitely doesn't have the uh the uh uh i i should say the foundation of something like toho that there were there was constantly things like you know like you know are we going to be able to make like some of these movies like the reason that gamera went away for so long is because dai uh you know uh, they kind of they had had were having money issues, so they couldn't make a Gamera film, and then they made Gamera Super Monster, which was notoriously like the ninety ninety five percent stock footage Gamera film that uh, kind of in in some ways uh, killed the franchise. <laughs> like yeah. they're like they're not going to make any until like you know they got their ducks in a row, and then they finally made a Gamera film. Uh, and then the another case like that kind of happened with Dai where there was a little bit of like you know ownership and you know where Dai as a film studio was going to go and then they partnered up with another film studio and uh, they had to put Gamera on the shelves and then once again once Dai finally kind of got a solid foundation back uh, once again they're like all right well let's bring Gamera back and uh, the next Gamera film wouldn't be seen until 2006 and uh, this came with another reboot of the character in a film called Gamera the Brave now I have not seen Gamera the Brave but Gamera the Brave uh, stands out to me as just everything I've seen about it as one that I need to see and probably uh, one that is of immense interest uh, to me uh Long story short, Gamera the Brave is Gamera meets E.T. and the Iron Giant. It's a good pitch. Yeah. It, I mean, that, it, that's a solid pitch right there. It, it, it's definitely, it's a boy and his monster type story. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, 
it starts off as a little Gamera and it becomes a big Gamera and then the boy like helps the Gamera to defeat the monster at the you know it's it's one of those and everything I've seen about it it's exactly the type of movie you're you think it's gonna be uh and it sounds right up your alley yeah and m- unlike uh the Hasey reboot this one uh, while not like you know super like silly, definitely was sold right from the get go as a um, as a family friendly. Right, film. a little bit more on that friend of all children side of Gamera. Yeah, um, they 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 bumblebeat it <laughs> by making a just a simpler a simpler Gamera movie. Uh, but it is funny though that the uh, it does feature a cold open. Uh, because it's kind of also a legacy tale, even though it's like a reboot. It's yeah. kind of like one of those like, oh, we're going to do a slight callback to a Gamera that you like and then kind of like lead into this new Gamera. And uh, in, in a kind of like cool cold open where it like tells a Gamera story that's much more in line with the Hasey films, including an appearance from our beloved Gauss. <laughs> so they are not the villains of the movie, but they do appear as kind of like a cameo. Little cameo. Yeah. Um, so, and it's kind of like more of like a Gamera passing of the torch type deal, but it mostly involves like a, a, a creature and, uh, and it, a kid or a kid and his creature uh, as it were. Um, and then that is known as Gamera the Brave. Um, again, movie I haven't seen, but uh, that, that kept uh, Gamera alive in, in, in a new light uh, just for that one film didn't spawn a franchise. And I, I don't think it doesn't quite have the immense love uh, for it that the Hasey films do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually heard that there is a bit of a, there, there, there is a bit of that like, all right, well, they've kind of like uh, got rid of everything that they did with the Hasey films and they kind of went in this new direction that didn't quite stick. Uh, but it seems to have kind of like, oh, like it's a, it's a solid enough gam- Gamera film yeah. uh, with some questionable decisions, but um, kind of stands out as a bit of an outlier because it's the only one, like the Showa films have all of their series behind it. The Hasey films have a trilogy and this kind of stands out as like that one standalone that like you know doesn't really have too much of a history uh behind it um so that came out in 2006 and the last we left gamera is the gamera reboot so in 2014 um it was announced that gamera was going to start production on a modern day uh reboot and this is like you know 2014 2015 um so like we're in like you know uh you know, Godzilla has, you know, Legendary has done their Godzilla movie mm-hmm. and, you know, probably Shin Godzilla is kind of in, in the works around this time. Uh, so, like, you know, Godzilla, again, kind of another comeback and seems like it could be a good time for, for Gamera to, to, to plant its roots once again. Yeah. And uh, the plan was to commemorate Gamera's 50th anniversary uh, with this new film. And um, this film went all the way to having a proof of concept trailer, which is honestly a short film uh, that was shown at New York Comic Con. And you can go online and watch it. And it basically featured a modern day short film of uh, of what this Gamera would would be. And totally not too dissimilar like maybe not like the you know like the grim early trailers of the 2014 Godzilla film but definitely in lines with like they're making kind of like a modern day Independence Day type American blockbuster version of Gamera and the whole short film revolves around like the the voiceover of this kid 
um, like saying like, I remember the day that like, you know, they, that they swarmed our cities. And of course it goes back in time when he's like this kid and everybody's running the streets and the entire city is just being overrun by Gauss <laughs> and, you know, and all of their immense CGI glory. And th- that was the biggest thing is that they were going to achieve these monsters uh, using uh, computer generated imagery. Um, and it basically involves this like kind of this short story of this kid, like surviving it during this Gauss attack. And then of course, Gamera um, comes to the rescue. Um, and then it ended in a way where it's like, ah, but there, there's more. And really when you look at it, proof of concept short film is, yeah. is, is what it was. Uh, and if, you're interested in Gamera, I would actually suggest watching it. It's a solid little short film uh, that came out and was a solid representation of what they could do with the movie. There was no really, like, this is what the story would be. It's, mm-hmm. it, it was really, honestly, just kind of like a, a pop to be like, hey, like, more Gamera. Like, yeah. we're going to do modern-day Gamera. Uh, and uh, it got, like, a big uh, reaction amongst the New York Comic-Con crowd, which doesn't really mean anything except for if you were at New York Comic-Con that year. <laughs> I'm sure it was very exciting. It, it was it, it was very cool when I watched it um, online. And um, that is the last we've heard about it. <laughs> there has been just zero news <laughs> on if this is going to be a, a thing or, or not. Um, so, uh, that kind of leads into, uh, the last kind of word I want to say about Gamera is just, just reflecting on just Gamera just as a series, especially in comparison yeah. uh, to Godzilla, because there's so many different elements that you can kind of like look at like this series at and like, w- like why it clearly has its fan base and it has not been forgotten by any stretch, but just hasn't quite reached the, uh, the heights of something like, um, Godzilla and, and even like other Toho productions. I do feel there is a sense of it. Now, and it is, I don't think this is the whole story of, of why Gamera hasn't really, been out in the forefront as much but i almost feel like it definitely leads you to appreciate uh and i'm going to talk about it in the sense of both of our franchises the passion in one sense or another that toho has for godzilla and even that eon has for bond in the sense that no matter what happens that's so much part of their infrastructure that they're always going to go back to it and they're always going to push it. Mm-hmm. Like even within like even even from a Toho perspective in the Showa era and the Heisei era, even if there was a sense of more like okay, we we can do it, so why not do it? There still is that sense of like Toho knows how to like continue on this franchise. And even if it is just like, well, these are going to make money, so let's do it. There is there there has to be a sense of passion. There has to be a sense of we like doing these, so let's make more of these. And right. The same thing with e- like Eon again. N- now they've started to to kind of going off and doing their rhythm sections and stuff like that. But essentially that they are still just set up to make bond. And no matter what happens, no matter what lawsuits happen, no matter what, what, you know, reboots and, and, and people and actors saying they're going to cut themselves and whatever happens, bond will continue. Right. And same thing with Godzilla. Like even in the Hasty era, like when we talk about Hasty era Godzilla, like when those first two Hasty era Godzillas did not do the things they wanted to do, when 84 did not become the worldwide smash return that it wanted to, when Biolanti was not this big reintroduction of a new monster that it wanted to be, 
they still were like, okay, well, okay, we're just going to shift direction. We're going to bring back old monsters now. Mm-hmm. And those were successful, so we're going to keep going with that. And, like, same thing with, like, you know, when, when, when 98 happens and Toho's like, well, we can't – this can't be our franchise. We got right. to put it back in. I just feel like with Gamera, it's just that studio, despite the fact that it does know that it has something, it just doesn't seem like there's that equal push to mm-hmm. be like – Let's just keep doing these because I well, feel like. But, but I, 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 I do. Feel I, like- I, I want to say this before we dive deep, too too much deeper down that uh, hole is only because like the one thing I will say that Dai did do because they were eager to make a, a monster film and they kind of like Gamera kind of fell in their lap uh, right. as it were, but. Um, there was a conscious effort to like try to push this more as a franchise than Toho did, especially in the early days. Yeah. Like they definitely there was a push. They they went ahead and like made merch. They made it very easily accessible that if like comics and stuff wanted to be made of Gamera, video games wanted to be uh made of Gamera. Um, I think that there, I mean, there was even like kind of like a niche, uh, distribution, uh, of Gamera. I mean, like, uh, the Gamera movies, I think have way more episodes on like, as silly as this may be on Mystery Science Theater 3000 than even Godzilla does. Right. Like Gamera was actually like a, like infamously made on like a Mystery Science Theater 3000. But yeah. again, but the reason I say that is because there was clearly like more, uh, distribution yeah. Yeah. Uh, of the, to, to well, get it out there. Yeah. I guess what I, I kind of mean is that like. Especially post Showa era, because Showa era, I think they're both like again, like I had the the issues there with money that kind of really derailed the series. Yeah, I think that was a big. But thing I too. do think like post, like it's just like even like Hasey, it's like or or in the modern era, it just feels like that there, there's especially like modern Toho, I think just kind of knows what they have, and maybe they're not going to always put out a Godzilla movie every year, you know, and we don't really know what's going on with Toho movie wise post Shin. But there is still that sense of like hasty onward. There's a kind of a more conscious effort to be like we've mm. got to protect this and 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 continue on this Godzilla franchise. Whereas I feel like post hasty with Gamera, it just it doesn't feel like there's that same sort of like we have to do something with it. It just feels like yeah, there's not a protective nature over Gamera right. that there is. Godzilla. I think, the, but I think that's the thing, and I, I think like even the Showa era, like again, maybe a little bit more comparable in that sense. I think Toho just had more of a sense of like making sure those movies got out, right? Um. I, I mean, honestly, like, I may have to take the route of, I think it just comes down to some things just find their foundation and stick more than oh, yeah. others. And I and I think it's almost that unexplainable, like, it's a, this it's, is it's, just that's it, what in, people the, know. There is that intangibility. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I also think that, for better or for worse, we've talked about the history of Godzilla um, in terms of its American audience. But I also feel like there is something to be said, and we've talked about this a little bit all the way back in our King Kong versus Godzilla episode. But the fact that there was King Kong versus Godzilla and King Kong being such a recognizable American thing to kind of transition people into this Godzilla world, mm-hmm. I just think that Godzilla just having that early stronghold on an American market, whether how big mm-hmm. or that yeah. market is. It just made it a little bit a more, more a more legitimate one too. Yeah. Like our you know, um, you know, no offense, but like a more like uh, I would just argue like a more like legitimate uh, uh, yeah. r- reputation. Right, because I, I just think that just adds so much to Godzilla's worldwide appeal mm-hmm. is that you had this early kind of push in American-wise, and again, like King Kong versus Godzilla. We talked about in that episode. There's a lot of people who reflect on that. It's like there was a big part of their own childhoods. Right. Like, you know, King Kong fights this big giant lizard from Japan type of thing. 
there's that sense. And like, and then, you know, we talk about too, like the, you know, Megalon being, you know, American really establishing Godzilla is silly, but at the same time, there was still more of that kind of just somewhere in American and somewhere in international waters. Mm -hmm. There was just more sense of Godzilla because it just was more pushed in that respect. Because again, like, I I mean, we talked about like Gamera, all I kind of knew was from the Mystery Science Theater things. And there really wasn't that sense of it from else from an American perspective. Whereas I feel like Godzilla just had that stronghold first. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I just feel like, I mean, and I feel like too, I, I do feel like that Godzilla just even having its wider monster world, I think just helps a little bit more sure. with the foundation yeah. because I think that you could have different focuses and bringing back different monsters where I feel like Gamera seemed like it was a little bit more of its kind of, like Gamera was the main attraction. Yeah, right? like nobody's talking about Zegra or like, you right. know, and, but, I, but I do feel like that adds something to it because mm-hmm. you have like these other iconic monsters and they, they've become more iconic with king of the monsters and people knowing mothra and Ghidorah a little bit more but you still kind of had that sense of like oh godzilla has all these monsters that he fights whereas like gamera there really hasn't been that sense no 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 no, it's like gamera is most you know is he's a giant turtle it it reminds me a lot of like excuse me i'm a big digimon fan and it reminds me of the comparison between pokemon and digimon where like you know, there, there's some superficial uh, comparisons to them. But the one thing is, like, you could make the argument that Digimon has a fan base that is always constantly there. Uh, they continue to keep on making... It's not like they just don't make Digimon stuff anymore. That they keep on making video games. They had a bunch of different ex- series that experimented with the formula. They have revivals of it coming out now that I'm experiencing and buying the Blu-rays and you know uh, even considering going to the Fathom events of. Uh, that people are going to them that are revisiting like the older series that there are. And it still has this big fan base that would even argue that it's doing better and bolder things than the Pokemon series is doing. That being said, Pokemon will always reign supreme in the public conscious. Like it just will like there's, there's just no getting around that. Like everybody's going to on mass love Pikachu and love all like, and there's going to be way more opportunities for that to flourish and blossom in popular culture than Digimon and it's in that's really kind of like and, and, the big like kind of like easy comparison I can make is that Godzilla just it just reigns supreme as king of the monsters and Gamera kind of has this very loyal fan base that always keeps it in the in uh circulation mm-hmm. um that um that people will go to to bat for it yeah and it's actually led to i i think we would be remiss if we didn't mention that yes the announcement just came out yeah i was about to mention this yeah that uh we are going to be getting uh kind of like the showa era uh, uh, or the uh yeah the showa release uh series equivalent uh to a box set for gamera for the entire camera for the series. entire gamera series actually i i want to i want to see i want to see because I want to, I actually w- wonder if like Gamera the Brave uh, yeah, is I, in it. Because there, the, it said the entire series, but yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Now I the know- specifics of the um uh, of the set still have yet to be released. But anyway, Arrow Films, uh, which is um a kind of like a cult uh a cult film uh label uh that release cult films. Uh, they are getting together the entire Gamera series and releasing it in a box set. Um, and, 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 and by the way, can I say this? 
Uh, and this actually kind of even comes off of like, you know, Shout Factory and releasing things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. Yeah. One of the greatest things that is happening, as much as people bemoan the nostalgic era of film and film culture right now, is that it is offering so many of these opportunities for these random film labels to preserve and re-release all of these films in box sets and special edition uh, um, re-releases, and I and I and I think that's probably like the coolest thing that's happening with these films. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I I definitely agree. I think there's there's more than ever these kind of weird niche things. It's it's it really is, you know, as people talk about like how much media we have Mm -hmm. it really is kind of a best time to like have these types of fandoms too oh sure like i mean like i i know people are all i've said this multiple times in this podcast but it's just like the amount of just weird disney stuff that's on disney plus is like worth the price of admission alone Mm -hmm. but this is like yeah like the show era set like and and we because at the beginning all the way at the beginning of this podcast we talked about remember you had to buy what one of those movies on on ebay like oh yeah yeah, yeah. you had to buy like one of those types of films on ebay and like even from- I, I mean just during the course of this podcast like we we bought uh uh terror of mecha not not terror of mecha godzilla but godzilla versus mecha godzilla and son of godzilla i had to buy the dvd like off ebay somewhere from across seas and like get it over here and now like we have it uh restored on blu-ray and i just think it's cool and like some of the special features on this gamera set look awesome there's like historian commentaries uh, there's some like uh, some yeah, specific so special the, features. Uh, just looking at the specs, um, it does not mention Gamera. Uh, it says a complete series, but does not mention uh, Gamera the Brave by name. Right. Uh, it does confirm that all twelve of the original Japanese mm-hmm. versions of the Showa era films will be on there, as well as 4K restorations. Um, no way of the uh, Gamera trilogy, yeah. the Hasty trilogy. I know that's um, where it kind of gets iffy. I know how like Blu-ray and 4K restorations can get iffy for yeah. like the really for the video and audio files and the worldwide blu-ray premiere of gamma the invincible the american theatrical version of the first movie it's just so cool that uh that that's coming out yeah i mean like like even listen to this it's got it's it also comes with a hardback 120 page comic book that includes the full reprint of the four issue gamma series from dark horse in 1996 mm-hmm. and the first ever english language printing of the prequel comic the last hope um so definitely like i mean if you at all interested like oh i'm definitely interested um, it's definitely gonna be it's up for pre-order right now um, the box art is cool the box art's great and it, they i think they said it's going to be releasing sometime later summer early fall yeah. this year and uh, came out of nowhere too like oh, there, oh absolutely there, it, no, it definitely dropped and it, i mean who knows maybe this does lead to this could lead to like you know more information on a, a new like Gamera so, project. So l- let's let's wrap up Gamera with this. Um, are we going to get a new Gamera? I think without a doubt. I I, I uh, think I think there's definitely again in this era it definitely there's always a chance. It will be. I mean, I'm just going to be very interested because it's it's also not as if we we know for sure a new Toho Godzilla is coming. I mean, mm-hmm. we definitely have been rumblings, especially with. With Toho's uh, increased online presence and their, you know, their push in the United States, especially with the Showa set and their appearance at Comic Con, it just feels like we're kind of amped for kind of a mini kaiju revival, I guess, from Japanese perspective. And I feel like, I feel like a new Gamera is definitely in the cards. Now, I don't think 
we're gonna get like something like Legendary's Gamera. Like definitely not that. But oh no, term, no no no. In terms of a Japanese release, yeah. Now, I I think that if I if if I may say, I think that one hundred percent without a doubt a new Gamera is on the way. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is that again we are living in a time where. I mean, I I think that just from the fact that like we could have easily have not not gotten any of the like this Gamera set, and I don't want to make it. It's not like it wasn't specifically like the Godzilla set where the Gamera films on DVD and the Hasty films on Blu-ray were actually rel are relatively easy to get for most of them. You can get them on Amazon. You can actually go to your local Best Buy and find the Gamera Hasty films. So it's not like they were uh they they were being like kept uh in a vault as much as like maybe like the Showa era films in, in the Godzilla franchise were. But uh you know obviously they're making uh you know there is some sort of effort to re-release all the films. But I think we had talked about on the podcast before about how just the foreign and uh, the foreign releases and Japanese revivals of all of these kind of like nerd properties and these niche properties have just taken such an uptick with like the Godzilla films and Toho going ahead and like, you know, uh, reestablishing a brand uh, with that, with like animes and different like series making it much more easier to get like these big releases of like, you know, I mentioned the Digimon thing where it's like where they're revisiting like the old series of that. It just seems like they're in this nostalgic uh, age where, or not even this nostalgic age, in this fandom age where there is definitely more of an audience that yeah. will go to these films. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that you were going to see more and more all, I mean, for, very I mean, neat, yeah. Like, uh, didn't didn't Netflix just release like a dragon like a Dragon Quest like uh like or what is it Dragon Quest or um Hero Quest or whatever? It was it's like a it's like a big it's like a big uh almost like Pixar looking animated film mm-hmm. on Netflix of yeah. like Dragon Quest and it's like all these like random things that and and that looks like it's got some money behind it. Yeah. So I just think you're living in this time where there's just without a doubt uh if there were if there was some legacy behind it you're definitely going to see it and gamera will definitely be hitting uh the screen uh soon i definitely agree i do want to say though the arrow release website does not specifically mention gamera the brave as part of the set it does list the director of that movie under the directors tab okay uh because it has the four directors of the gamera series um listed mm-hmm. so there is a possibility that that Gamera the Brave would be included in the set. Well, that would actually be like if that's included in the set, yeah, that's an instant a, buy for Ryu me. Ryu Tasaki mm-hmm. is listed as one of the four directors. Uh, is featured, and he directed Gamera the Brave. Um, so that was a lot of talk about Gamera, and um, you know, we don't have too much more time left, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, because a lot of the Gamera stuff came out of, you know, stepping outside of Toho and looking at uh, some non-Godzilla, non-Toho uh, kaiju films, Gamera being probably the biggest example of that. But just looking at, like, some other examples of just kaiju film in general. And I, and I think it's easy to say at this point that um, all roads ultimately lead back to the King of the Monsters, yeah. that um, that Toho's uh, filmmaking of these giant uh, monster films uh, 
definitely has found its influence in all of these different uh, types of movies. But uh, I actually um, brought up a list of different types of movies that you could actually say uh, fit into uh, like the giant monster movie trope. But I'm sure you have some opinions just about like uh, giant monster films outside mm. uh, of Toho. Yeah. <laughs> well no well, just in general just like giant oh, yeah. gi- giant monster films like well, just as its legacy outside of godzilla well, it, definitely... are there any trends you notice or is there any like thoughts to come to mind um well i i kind of imagine that like especially very much within that original godzilla era like you know we have we have a legacy again we talked about this too on the podcast but we have a legacy of both godzilla and i think king kong being these kind of two pillars of the giant monster subgenre, um, uh, King Kong possibly being like the original, the, the, like, the, like yeah, the nineteen thirty three, the true original version of that. And I do think that there's a lot of kind of different, but even I would even find that like I think it's like the giant monster kind of trope, like definitely just evolves from from King Kong and eventually to Godzilla, where you do have a lot of these types of movies. That take their cues from from those types of experiences, or or just feature giant animals that you kind of fight, you know, um, like you have like stuff like you know in in in, in terms of video games, like we have like the Rampage series of games, which eventually became mm-hmm. that Rampage movie. Um, I even think of just um, like this is not specifically a giant monster movie, but I kind of even think about the giant squid fight in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and just mm-hmm. how kind of how that even evolves from this stuff where it's like, yes, it's not like a giant kind of sentient monster like you do seeing in Godzilla and King Kong, but just kind of the similarities in how that film presents the fight between Captain Nemo and the Nautilus crew and the giant squid to how we have people reacting to these giant monsters. I think there's just a, a big legacy of that, especially within kind of that peak era kind of golden age of hollywood into kind of you know well i mean hollywood. I, I think if you even go further into that I, I like you know i think the you know talking about like the giant squid something like that is like definitely a good example and that leads even further into like something like spielberg's jurassic park and mm-hmm. oh yeah like yeah. where the t-rex sequence alone definitely has shades of a more intimate take on like just the giant monster oh thing. absolutely absolutely um, absolutely uh and and like some like obviously king kong is on my list uh being 1933 um an american film and then you know some other films we have is the 1953 beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms um uh which uh was remade as the 98 godzilla film <laughs> yes essentially yeah <laughs> uh but more interestingly just uh, giant monster films outside of japan and um and america um one of uh one, one film that came to mind instantly before Yongari. We're gonna get to Yongari. Yeah. Uh but we had the uh United Kingdom, uh which teamed up with America but was mostly like a, a UK European film, Gorgo, um, which uh was also another, I believe, a mystery science theater film. Isn't I think Gorgo's the one that has Leonard Moulton. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it has yeah. our friend Leonard uh Leonard Moulton as the introduction. Yeah, I remember because I've talked to him about that and he said he had a lot of fun with that. Um and but then, Gorgo, yeah, Gorgo's definitely one. And that's a UK based um uh film uh um which i believe kind of uh, once again had shades of king kong that it kind of dealt with like you know oh they bring back a younger monster and then the bigger monster comes after it so it's like it's funny how like all of these movies have shades back it 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 is interesting now i think about it that we kind of like 
there's the there's mythological footprints more so of King Kong, but the craft of the film go back to Godzilla. Yeah, in, in definitely, that, definitely. Uh, um, so I de- like I said, I definitely think that all and, and it is really. I mean, it kind of is fun that we're gonna see these monsters fight again mm-hmm. uh, later this year. Uh, fingers crossed that you know that the movie comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it will come. I, out. I, I, I will love come how out. that now has become the new Bond twenty five. Like, is this movie yeah. gonna happen? It's literally coming out this year. Yeah. Um. But it is cool, cool because really, like, you really do see just any giant monster influence. Yeah. Is from those two. Is mm-hmm. is King Kong and, and Godzilla? Just everything diverges from those two roads, and it's fun that we got to see him cross paths once, and it's really cool that we're gonna see him cross paths again. Um, so anyway, outside of that, we have, and I know you've been eager to talk about Yongari, yes. uh, which is a, uh, Korean, uh, giant monster flick. Yes, which was also featured on the most, one of the most recent seasons of Mystery Science Theater, but I always go, I, 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 always I love think- that, wait, I, we need to mention this pattern about how Mystery Science, like a lot of these films are, ha- have are been fe- seen yeah. through Mystery Science Theater 3000. How do you feel that has influenced the giant monster uh, just uh, the just the giant monster subgenre. In I just I film. think it does emphasize a lot on how ridiculous those American doves of those types of movies are because they would always watch the American dub version of it, and I think that just kind of adds into that inherent silliness that was apparent post uh, the American release of Godzilla vs. Megalon. I feel like that it, it's just kind of an emphasis on that style. Now, the thing about a lot of mystery science theater stuff is the reason that they do those movies is because they were easy to get the rights for. Right. And that's always been the kind of struggle with mystery science theater in terms of any like home release or anything like that is because there are actual other movies that they're, they're doing that there's very limited amount of things they can do with them. But I do think it kind of adds to that realm. Um, now, yeah, but, but, think- y- but you can look at it... It's funny because you can look at it cynically and like what it has done for the subgenre. But, but, but I think I get what you're saying, but it is also, for a lot of people, it's a great way to introduce you to the concepts. Because like Yongari, for example, mm-hmm. just to go back to this, just is again a Korean monster movie, features kind of a kid... And he finds giant monster. He dances with the monster at one point, but the monster is very destructive. It's one of those things where I think what's very funny is that, yes, it goes into the American dub. So it, it makes fun of a lot of the dubbed dialogue and, and all that stuff. And, um, but I would never have come up with a concept of like, oh, like even Korea had their own kind of Godzilla. And then when you look into Yongari, I was just like kind of curious. And, and I, I like to look up like the mystery science theater movies after I see them just to kind of find any more information that they, you know, sometimes they share, sometimes they don't. But even like Yongari, Yongari, the movie itself, much like Godzilla, what had does have a lot of emotional things that surround it in terms of like Korean reaction to the post-Korean war mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. So even with that kind of mocking of it and, and you know, kind of deservedly so for the American dub, and it, it's a fun episode of the of the Mystery Science Theater Revival. It was really cool to kind of figure out, well, no, this giant monster does have meaning to, you know, Korea and and kind of figure out that, yes, this, these types of movies are not just to be mm-hmm. made fun of. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and that's why I, I would sympathize with, like, you know, if the introduction and in in kind of, like, the way in which it was brought in is, you know, through the unfortunate American dub and then maybe, like, you know, the, the teasing of it. But I look at these things, like, in, a, in more of a half-glass-full scenario where... 
I, I think honestly for the better that things that the uh the immense distribution uh of of these types of films that they just kind of like played them like you know just just randomly on sci-fi channels and the fact that they end up on mystery science th- uh, theater 3000 things like that uh i think has kept these movies and this genre in the public like uh, it just in the culture I, I i don't i think that and i think that has done just I think it's important. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, I just think it's important that like uh, there there is a way that it became almost as this hidden way to preserve these types of movies. And I think that ultimately that has led to you know like the Leonard Maltons of the world, just you know, and you know even us at on this at this table and many many more and like these historians kind of like delving back into those movies and then going into like the actual like the the original uh not dubbed versions of them and then like really uh preserve these films and like where they fall in line with uh the history of the filmmaking that uh of their countries of origin and then just as a whole empower just what this subgenre what this subgenre can do that it has brought laughs and joy from you know being kind of like you know schlocky uh b pictures but also have some sort of cultural relevance. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think it's just also being like, just kind of going back to Yongri being like a Korean thing, just had, again, that kind of, just the idea of this giant monster has kind of a worldwide appeal Mm -hmm. in the sense that like, you know, we have the UK, uh, you know, UK with American co-production, but the UK kind of has its own giant monster. Um, And then we have the one where, um, you know, Korea has one, even... I mean, like, just to kind of go back um, to Mystery Science Theater, the first episode of that new revival series was Reticulous, which was a kind of Dutch one. Mm-hmm. And there's a one of the things, one of the bits, one of the host bits in that episode was every country has its own monster, and they kind of go both real monsters that countries have made up or film companies and those countries have made up and kind of fake ones. But it kind of just says that like there's just an inherent appeal um, to the the mm-hmm. big monster. Well, it almost like and and this is getting deep. This is getting deep, Nick. But it almost highlights that the giant monster and just the monster flick in general may be the universal cinematic language. <laughs> Cuz when you think about it, like bear with me on this. Yeah. More so than I would say comedy. Comedy definitely has a barrier at times uh between uh between cultures. Um, definitely, um, I think action is pretty close. Uh, sometimes like we can, uh, go, uh, between different countries cause like action is, is, is somewhat universal, especially the more modern era of action that you get. Um, horror is definitely way more of a niche thing, but yeah. between, between countries, um, in, it, in like, you know, maybe, maybe like just straight out sci-fi and like space and aliens and but that kind of like delves a little bit back into like the monster thing i think that this example that we're seeing right now is just like how universal just the monster movie is is that regardless of even like the language like even if like you make fun of like the dub of any of these films you can still viscerally connect with oh it's a giant monster terrorizing these innocent like civilians or play or dancing with this kid or something and it, it, it's just it's so fascinating and 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 uh just powerful for me to see like that this is 
kind of the closest thing that you have to a universal language in film. Like yeah. the, anybody can connect to it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to, even if you make fun of it, you're connecting to it. Yeah. And and I, and I just, and I like that. I, I like that nature about it. I, I, that's a very interesting, because a giant monster is, just, it's a very simple concept. Yeah. Just a giant monster attacking things. Yeah. You literally, you don't even like, you could probably not even watch you can watch it in its native language, yeah. and you can follow yeah. like a giant monster film because, because that, that's what that's what you're watching it for. So uh, I, I did look up a little bit more about Yanguri um, just now, uh, just from thematic purposes. So like I was just saying, like even Yanguri itself, uh, it, even though we've kind of seen it, um, its original Korean version is considered lost, so the only version American. But even within it, um, when people watch it, they again kind of taken whereas Godzilla was supposed to be representing you know the atomic bombs yongari's destruction definitely evokes the korean war and the stuff like that but also the movie deals with um apparently also deals with uh themes of masculinity and the questions of of korean masculinity at the time and then our our um the 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 protagonist of the film being a young boy represents korea's like future and, mm-hmm. and the fact that the boy connects with the creature um in a similar way to an et or an iron giant in some sense um does kind of reflect on the future of Korea. Also, just found out there's a 1999 Korean remake mm. of Yonkuri, a kind of whole a new a whole little millennium slash hasty type era Yonkuri oh, movie. That's interesting. So even even Yonkuri kind of gets into that. Yes, we kind of relook at it at a different date, um, which I kind of want to see that now because I've seen the Mystery Science Theater first. So I'm kind of interested. Yeah, but like if like I don't know, man, like if. Godzilla is Pokemon and Gamera is Digimon. Yongri is like Monster Ranchers. <laughs> Listen, man, I enjoyed that episode, of Mystery Science Theater. Um, I, I, will, I will, but I can do you one better. The director of Yongri has a follow-up kaiju film. Do you remember a film in 2007 called D Wars? No. It was a. It was. You probably remember the poster of like the giant dragon snakes like wrapped around. Maybe. The, uh, and it was like a. It was like a Korean movie that, but it was like released in America and like it had Craig Roberts in it. <laughs> I I do not. I maybe barely. Remember oh, this dude, poster. I remember. I've never seen it, but I remember seeing so many ads for it, and it's basically just about dragons going back to war with each other in the mo- in the modern day. Uh, but uh, the director, uh, Shim Young Rae, uh, what this was. His his like uh kind of follow up into the kaiju uh of film uh filmmaking interesting um uh, sticking in korea though i did want to mention this uh you can't talk about giant monster movies especially recently with the yeah. uh, oscar winner uh bong joon ho oh, yeah the host uh the host yeah uh, which came out i've in, seen that movie came out in 2006 i have seen that movie that's uh, a very good movie that is a good movie um so i just think it's funny like it's like it kind of is like yeah. uh and uh, that's a great example of having like some a uh, little bit of the mix of the social commentary and the comedy and uh, some. Oh, if some you definitely definitely seek out the host. I mean, Bong Joon Ho, like he's he's been on a roll in terms of film because I mean, he's done the host, yeah. Snowpiercer, uh, uh, that pig movie. Oh, Okja. Okja. Yeah. And and now Parasite, which is a, a best. Picture. Which is really funny that all of a sudden now, like you know, there's that kind of been like that you know pretentious people getting mad at even the thought that he would like make like a mainstream movie i'm like he did the host 
Yeah. The host isn't some artsy fartsy movie. It's it's a monster movie. It is. Like, <laughs> it, it, but but it, it, it has the best. It's a tra- good monster movie. It but has it, the best traditions of monster movie where yeah. it uses the monster to kind of create a human drama and, and explore themes still. Yes. Just like yeah. the best Godzilla and even the best of Gamera and Yongri yeah. uh, it, it, before it. But it's definitely like it's in terms of a modern version of that stuff the host is is very good filmmaking and very good writing and it's a very funny movie mm-hmm. and i was able to i was able to see that in my international cinema class i have to watch that movie again i think i'd appreciate it i think you'd appreciate now. it a lot more yeah. now even i have my memories of it i'm definitely think you'd be it's it's definitely yeah. up your alley um so with all that said as we wrap up i want to talk a little bit about where we're at now with the kaiju filmmaking outside of Toho, outside of Godzilla, um, because we definitely have seen a level, and if, even if I'm just talking about like the states thus far, like we've definitely seen, uh, especially American filmmakers keeping the trope alive and well, and and I don't mean just not necessarily like oh we're just still doing monster movies, just there there seems to be this like resurgence of people wanting to do the giant monster right because like again. i mean gareth edwards did his before godzilla mm-hmm. um i guess like troll hunters was also a kind of type of troll hunters is awesome for anybody who hasn't seen that i'm yeah. so i wasn't even going to bring that up but yes that's, that's an also amazing a giant movie monster movie yeah right? yeah, yeah. Kinda. i mean it, it definitely and literally it's a giant monster movie where the monsters get more and more giant cool. as the mo- as the movie goes we on we also had colossal a couple years so ago. some of the movies i was going to mention is like if we just look at kind of like uh like a history of just recent monster movies like you have Cloverfield yeah uh, of which, course which yeah, was yeah. probably I would argue the big like oh we can still do giant monster movies yeah yeah Cloverfield's a big one yeah, yeah I didn't even think about that so Cloverfield was that and then the big one after that I would argue are is Pacific Rim uh Pacific Rim was the big like and, and that was the movie that I think put kaiju in the modern american parlance that, yeah uh, i think that many of us the more the well initiated knew the term but kaiju definitely became like like uh more of a, a go-to name yeah. after i wouldn't, a, I wouldn't after be surprised if you take a look closer at pacific Rim. yeah point. yeah and uh, like this is because like, we can't get too much into it now but it definitely uh is a key piece to the puzzle of just modern day uh kaiju filmmaking yeah and um and then definitely if you go into like something like colossal which is the most out of the box thinking for how to do a um a giant monster a, a giant movie, monster movie. Yeah. um the that and for those of you who don't know that's the uh Anne hathaway uh she has a kind of a weird psychic link to a giant monster uh that mimics her actions anything i would say would be a spoiler about the movie um but i would suggest going to see it because it is really good hard to watch at times but uh very very good um so and then obviously we have like the the godzilla films coming out with legendary and everything um but i think all these examples show that not only is there this uh there's this interest in going back into making like these original giant monster movies, but there definitely seems to be that, all right, this push that, well, let's experiment with the, with the, with the genre a little bit more because mm-hmm. we have the found footage film with Cloverfield. We have the Pacific Rim, which is kind of like this original, but not really derivative in any other way. And then you have Colossal, which is like this, like, yeah. 
uh, like character piece. And like, yeah, I guess and I mentioned Rampage earlier, but that's like an adaptation. Yeah, Ra- Rampage is probably like the most like traditional uh, traditional of them. But I mean, it was very unabashedly and and honestly, like for a movie that should have been for me, I, I was not the biggest fan of Rampage. But I mean. Excellent monster I mean, they, action in they it. Didn't, they didn't have the people turning the monsters. So no, I, I mean, mean it's that, not that, a good adaptation yeah. to begin with. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of on that camp. Too. I'm on that camp personally. But I will say that if that movie showed anything, they're getting better and better with the actual monster action yeah. in these modern day films because the monster action when they start destroying that city is it's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's kind of like the trend that I that that I that I'm seeing that it's kind of like this revival, but this willing to kind of experiment. And I think a little bit of that is like also understanding that as fun as it is, some of the limitations of it, like you definitely just don't want a because for when you really even think of like even our Godzilla examples, like all of none of them have just been like an easy cash grab like oh we'll just do a giant monster movie in the same way that some of these earlier monster movies were it feels like all of these monster movies have some sort of an angle yeah. to them yeah absolutely even even pacific Rim sequel there's like even like a different energy to it and, oh yeah and a different way um in mm. pacific from uprising right uprising yeah uprising yeah and and, and that's I, continuing off of the the originality of the first film and you know even like if you go back into like you know, John Roberts, Kong Skull Island, like, you know, even he wants to do, it's like, well, I want to do kind of like this uh, Vietnam War type yeah. movie. With, oh, absolutely. With this. And I, I definitely think, again, we've kind of talked about it, but I do think that's what makes kind of Kong Skull Island stick out within um, the MonsterVerse, and ar- which could arguably be said to be the most popular of the MonsterVerse films mm-hmm. in, in many ways. But I do think it's, I think that's very interesting insight into kind of the types of monster movies that we've we've seen and the ways in which they've done different things with them. And I do think it just kind of goes back to the creativity of the genre itself. Because even when we go back to just the Godzilla films, it's like when you take a look at something like, you know, like, you, like the Showa era of Godzilla, you can fit in Son of Godzilla, Hedora, and like Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Like all in the same breath. And there are widely different movies. And like Megalon too. It's like every, like the different tones and styles and, and kind of, how they kind of perceive and what they're saying and some say more, some say less. I feel like that really is, I mean, and you could say, I guess you could say it about any genre, but there's something about the way that you can portray it in a giant monster, in a kaiju movie. That's Mm -hmm. just so unique and so different. And I think that if we continue to find ways to kind of push that, there's so like, again, I think we talked about it earlier, but the visual nature of a giant monster destroying something is very universal. Mm Mm-hmm even within the genre of film it's just like you can do the different kind of explorations but just the visual of a giant monster destroying I and mean, what it what it can represent i think it's just so wide breath that we will continue to see people can return to this concept in america in japan wherever it may be we'll continue to see people return to the concept just because it's there's something inherently just watchable about it i mean when i go like on like if i'm doing like an instagram search or something and i see like you know like a talented artist do like a rendition of like any name giant monster but then like artfully puts them like in like a like a cityscape or in like a like a a cloud of smoke or in the horizon somewhere i still get chills when 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 i see it so there there is something very striking about it but 
Um, but the experimental nature on the film level is is definitely uh, the most the most compelling. You know, we we have now seen that Godzilla has uh, stomped and crushed uh, and uh, walked very hard. Uh, so the uh, rest of the kaiju subgenre can run the Dewey Cox. Sorry. Yeah, the Dewey- <laughs> not a not a monster movie, but a, but a fun, but a good movie. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, um, anything else to, to say on the, on the subject of non Godzilla films? I think I need to rewatch that Yonkery episode of <laughs> Science Theater. <laughs> There's a Yonkery shirt out there. I might need yeah. to find it. It's probably not existent, but mm-hmm. it would be very, you would be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you would definitely be surprised, especially now that the Mystery Science I Theater. Mean, Yonkery would probably just win. If I got a Yonkery shirt, it would be my most obscure shirt. I think so. I mean, like, yeah, no, I think I think that may. I, mean, I have some. I have a few obscure Disney shirts. I mean, I guess like my it's not obscure, but my Uma Thurman is Poison Ivy shirt. No, is that's very, not. That's not obscure. It's very specific. Yeah, it's not obscure. Specific. It's specific. It's not. Yeah, it's definitely Jack not specific. Obscure. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's. Uh. That brings us up to the surface after uh this deep dive. So thank you everybody uh for listening us uh gabber about Gamera and discuss uh the uh other the other films. The gabbering Gamera. Nah. <laughs> if anybody was ready for a reboot, it's Gabra. Could have bring Gabra back. You cowards. Could have been in Final Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Give me Jet Jaguar versus Gabra. Yes. Would you would you want to see like a Godzilla versus Gamera thing in any in any sense? Is that something you'd ever be interested in? It's interesting because in the history of looking up Gamera, it seems that but like that from either side at one point or another that neither studio has ever been on the same page about doing it. Yeah. Um, that, you know, Dai, I know I can imagine die has die has come in and, and suggested it and Toho has had no interest in it. And I think like maybe somebody at Toho was saying like, Oh, we may be interested in it. My thing, like if it were to ever, I don't know if you'd ever see it in a film version. If there were ever to be done, I could imagine it being like a comic book miniseries. Mm. Like that's the type of thing I could imagine it being. I just don't know, and I, I mean, I also we don't know Japanese studio politics in that same way. True, and, and you know, we kind of see it a little bit in American, you know, studio politics. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes, you know, it what? here's what I'll say. I, I will say for the same reason that all these new things are coming out, it's definitely more likely now than more ever. likely than ever for sure. Um, but, but I definitely, like I said, I definitely think I wouldn't put money on it. But it, it could be like because remember that the, the, there was that ring versus grudge thing. Yeah. I could definitely see like somebody like taking a swing and just being like, "Let's do it." Yeah. Let um let's make like a like a cheap Japanese version of it. The, the only thing that keeps me from doing it is only because like I have to. I would have to get a sense that like Toho has the sense of humor of doing it now mm-hmm. because. I feel like there's a sense of Toho being like very precious of where they keep the Godzilla franchise. Like if I get a a, better thing about it, I think it's more so it's definitely like, I feel like one of those things where die would definitely be like, Oh, let's definitely do it. Cause it will just promote Gamera a little Mm -hmm. bit more. And it would be an easy way for them to kind of transition to, to new Gamera stuff. Whereas I feel like, it really just depends on where Toho goes next with their Godzilla franchise. I, it's more so that if I if I have a better sense but like of I, what they're doing yeah, with it. Like cuz I said again this thing like post Godzilla we just haven't heard anything film wise. Yeah. But like I said I think it's more likely to be like something where it's like if if like a comic book if like, like Dark Horse had like the other get Gamera. What would that rights. even be? Well, I should say personally I'm down. 
I would watch oh, it. I'd definitely be. Oh, definitely for sure. Yeah. Um, but what would it be? I feel like... So here's always the interesting thing about a crossover. I, I always find. Like, yeah. whose movie is it? That's that's the question. I think it would have... I think, I mean, the, the only way that Toho does it if it's Godzilla's movie. Yeah. I don't think like Godzilla's going to be secondary in that movie. But I, I feel like it is going to be like I don't like I think it would have the versus name but I think it's uh, you'd have to have them team up cuz I think it would be more in line with like I feel like it would be more so it would honestly remind me a lot more of the Jet Jaguar like the Godzilla versus Megalon movie where yeah. it kind of ended up being like this Jet Jaguar movie and then Godzilla ends up being like the be- like like at least character wise like the thing that comes in and really saves the day, saves the day. Yeah. But yeah. like, because I'm already assuming like Gauss would probably be the villain. Gauss would have to be the villain. Yeah, like something like that. But then you'd like also, I feel like Gauss, like it gets like I feel Godzilla like, DNA why don't, in it. You'd have to do okay. Like, there's no way there's going to be other like, but like Godzilla monsters in it. See, I I, I would want that, but yeah, I feel I like would it, want it, but I don't. I just I can't see that being Gauss like the and Gigan would fit together. Yeah. No, you know what it would be? It would be aliens. It'd be aliens. Aliens awaken the Gauss, and they, could, and they yeah. would awaken okay. the Gauss. Yeah, and then like Gamera, and then they're like super alien Gauss. Uh, I kind of. Oh, to, and then I, there's gonna be a Mecha Gauss. Uh, <laughs> no, all the Gauss like combine like Power Rangers and Voltron to make a Mega Gauss, and then why do we keep up. pitching these movies that are never going to happen? I mean, okay, our to, main to make us to make listen, us happy. Our make, main to make us happy again. Our main focus. Pitch Toho Jet Jaguar. We get that rolling, and then we kind of get a little positive buzz, and then we kind of, you know, don't you, you know, we could be better than Batman v Superman. <laughs> what we would do is like we would just knock it out of the park with our Jet Jaguar movie, and then they'll be like, well, whatever you want to do, and then we use all of our power to make Godzilla, Gamera, uh, Godzilla versus Gamera. It would probably be no, it would be like Godzilla X. Cross camera. Yeah, Godzilla cross camera because yeah. you're like, oh, like they're gonna fight, but they're gonna be friends. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, um, that's how it always yeah, goes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that that does it uh, for uh, this deep dive, this uh, Godzilla deep dive. So hope you all enjoyed. Hope you learned uh, yeah. a lot about these monsters, and uh, feel free to keep listening. Yeah, we'll be we'll be back uh, next week to which we're really going out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then uh, you know we're gonna talk about. Flash Gordon, and yeah. then we're also going to lay out our plans for April when No Time to Die comes out. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. So, so it's No Time to Die, but it's a good time to listen to Bonzilla podcast. Yes. <laughs> good night, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs>